Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Chris Ballard sitting down. He's giving us hell because you thought this we is, were the Patriots. Well, now it's, it's, it, it's not. Our, it's not our fault. But they did. They sat us next to the New England Patriots. How no, are you, Connie, sir? I'm good. No, Connie. He's pointing me this direction. I said, what the freak is this? We're going to the evil empire right away. They wanted away. to chat with you next. So I figured you'd <laughs> yeah. just slide over there. Yeah, you'll just, us, you'll right? just slide. Yeah, yeah we, we're stuck between the Titans and the New England Patriots. How about that? We got the Jags to our right. Well, it's go- uh, good to meet you. Yeah. Uh, General Manager Chris Ballard with us here uh, as we're hanging out live at the Combine. I feel like I'm contractually obligated because uh, I'm, a, I'm a media member to ask you about Michael Pittman Jr. And no, just uh, those conversations, uh, what he means to the organization. I'll ask you this. Is there more pressure because you know everyone's watching this one because of what he means on the field, off the field? He's obviously a great player for you guys. How are those conversations going and maybe a little bit more pressure what Michael Pittman means to the Indianapolis Colts? No, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I think we all know Pitt's a really good football player and he fits us. He fits what we do, fits our culture of what we're doing internally. Um, the, his agent is, he's got a really good agent. He's been great through this entire process. Um, and it, it's just one we just, we'll just continue to work. Um, we'll work especially through the next, this next few days and into next week to see if we can get something done. Um, I'm encouraged about where we're at, but we still got a little work to do on it. You feel like you're close on a long-term deal? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you ever feel like you're close until the actual contract signed. I learned that a long time ago. Um, it's, but you, you, you think you are, and then it's they're always delicate with negotiations, um, and you just diligently work through. Mike Bloom does an incredible job for us, um, and he kind of knows where, you know, what we have available from a financial standpoint. Um, and then plus the other things we want to do and trying to fit it all in. He does a tremendous job, and that's always part of the equation. So, But we're optimistic about where we're at. And I assume if you don't get that long-term deal done by Tuesday, you would tag him? It's a, it's a tool we have. Hopefully we get something done. Never had to use it before, um, and hopefully we get something done before that moment. So if you don't get something done Tuesday, you would let it play didn't, out? Until- didn't I answer this question <laughs> yesterday? I mean, that's just loaded. It's like I can't give a right. I can't give the a tag deadline is is Tuesday. Yeah. Is, is it, it long term deal? Hopefully must? we get something done. <laughs> Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the wake up call. Uh, a showdown here. I'm in the middle between you and Bowen. By the way, we, we do have a clip of you saying freaking Bowen several years ago. So you, probably have no, you probably have no idea. My, my, oh, no. So, I say that all the time. Well, see, at, at, at some point, uh, we may need you. So and, it, my, and it usually doesn't start. It doesn't, the second letter is not usually an R. We have a dumb butt. It's been used. Uh, R- Rick Carlisle has put our dumb butt oh, yeah. to use. Uh, in, the, in the last several weeks. I was going to say, my last name's Sweeney. We may need a freaking Sweeney uh, that we can, we can kind of, we can kind of uh, mash them together. Just uh, ask questions about Whitehouse well, and you'll get it. Yeah, yeah, well, 
there, you, there you go. That, that'll be that. We'll, 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 we'll keep that to the end uh, of the interview. Uh, obviously, talking about uh, Anthony Richardson, you were asked about him yesterday, uh, not pushing that. Uh, it's good that his rehab is going well. How does he look, and how have the conversations been where you make sure that he's not doing too much too early? No, that's, that's a good question. I mean, his doctor's been heavily involved you know dr elatrosh did it out in, in california and he's he's been a, a a great resource just from a checking standpoint all right are we making sure we're hitting the benchmarks that we need to hit we're not moving you know too slow but also moving at the right pace um, and then between him and our rehab team and then a couple other people that he has that he's been working with for a few years um, there's been really good communication and dialogue to what you know where we want Anthony to be at this point then plus when we get to April sure. May June um, and we're in a good place right now will there be anything different like mechanically no with him no It'll be all no no it, it, he'll there won't be any changes the, the good thing is uh, there wasn't structurally anything wrong with the shoulder much different than Andrew's case where Andrew you know had a torn labrum so a much different rehab than Andrew's was and it's not as quite a, it's a it's a it's a serious surgery, but it's not near as labor intensive in terms of the surgery when it you know when it's not a labrum, not a torn ligament. He is Chris Ballard. He's here with us live at the convention center, year eight for the Colts GM. You seem to express a good amount of regret yesterday about the wideout position, um, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but maybe the lack of whatever support you gave Reggie Wayne and that staff last year, coupled with you're really bullish on this year's draft depth at wideout. Um, could you expand a little bit on the regret from last year and not and I, giving that group enough? It, it wasn't as – the regret came like when Dueling came – you know, when you lose a good player, it, it's hard to replace that guy. And so kind of – and look, some of those guys, they gave us some good snaps and did some good things, but finding consistency out of that number four and number five is something we're looking – you know, looking to make sure we shore up. Getting Dueling back will help. His rehab's gone really well. Um, it was a freak – it was a freak accident, you know, with the ACL. I mean, I remember watching the tape over and over again going, how did this happen? I mean, he's on grass, and he just makes a, I mean, he just makes a, a post cut, and, you know, the knee gives out on him. So, you know, just a little bit of bad luck in that circumstance. And then, you know, the depth part of it, finding, finding a guy that, you know, like Doolin's, Doolin's value is that, one, he plays on, he's a core te- special teamer. Um, he does a lot of the dirty work, um, you know, at wide out, and he can do it from three different spots. And I always felt that he was one of the most undervalued players we kind of had just because of that, that role. Uh, Zach Pascal filled it, you know, for a few years, and then Doolin kind of stepped into that role. So having a, your number fours really has to be able to play multiple spots and give you snaps on teams. Um, you and I'm telling you, that's a unique thing when you got a guy like Doolin that can do all of them. That's a that's got all pro Pro Bowl talent as a as a teamer. Then also fill in if he's got to play wide out and actually start a game or two. Um, you're still in good shape with him. And you feel this this crop in this draft is you know might might compare to that 2020 group that yeah. you might have what four or five Hall of Famers in that crop. Well, I don't want to stamp them as Hall of Famers <laughs> yet, but they're very ta- it's a very talented deep group, which is good. I look at wideout again. Chris Bowd with us here at at the combine. You know, Josh Down seems to be the ideal complement to what you have in that room. How much is getting a little bit more yard after catch? Yeah, I, I mean, at? I think as he gets, I mean, he's still a young 
player and even from a physical development stand, standpoint, he's still young. You know, his body's still maturing. And I think that, you know, as he gets stronger um, and then plus he adjusts to how people are playing him. Like when you start watching the tape, the second part of the season, you know, people were trying to take Josh away. I mean, he became really a dangerous you know, weapon for, for the offense and, you know, especially on, you know, on money downs when you, when you got to have it. So we, we, and I, and like, I I think we've designated him as a slot only, but I thought some of the times last year where he showed he could play outside too. Um, So we think he's got great versatility. He's got really good upside, you know, Josh, and he's a, he's everything you want. Like he works, he cares, he's tough. He fights through things like all the stuff you like about him is why he's going to be a good player. You expect Grover and Julian Black. Uh, Blackman to be back. Well, I think with all, I think with all our free agents, um, you know, we've had good discussions with all their agents. Um, you'd like to say absolutely, like to have everybody back, you know, but that's not always realistic. Um, what at the end of the day, uh, whoever we do end up getting back are the ones that we were able to kind of fit in the plan of what we have to try to, you know, shape this team for next year. And you know, even the guys we don't. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out, and sometimes they get more money at another place that we just weren't able to do. So we'll see how that works Would out. Would you say the realistic nature to it is you want to do something else, and if you bring those top four back, if you will, that can kind of hamstring you a bit? I think you always try to get your own guys back first. I mean, that's always the priority. One, because you know them and they know you. All right? So there's, it's one of the funny things with, with – and especially, and I think the fan base, I think the media, I think even internally, like you always see your own players and you see kind of the warts on them. And, and, but, and then you see the shiny object in free agency that you've never lived with and you don't know the warts. And, and I think that's always a kind of a balance that and it doesn't mean you dislike the player, but you, well, you know, maybe if we go get this other guy that's a free agent, you know, you know, maybe he'll he'll fill the role better and he's a shinier new object. But that's not always the case. And we're always going to lean towards trying to do whatever we can to bring our own guys back. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. He's the general manager of your uh, Indianapolis Colts, Chris uh, Ballard, here with us on the wake-up call on the fan. Uh, your tight end room, the last few years you put a lot of draft picks into that tight end room. Uh, Jelani Woods, uh, it's terrible the setback he had this year, not being able to play. Maybe not a deep draft class this year uh, at tight end. You could talk to that, but what do you make of your tight end room? How much work do you think needs to be done there? Yeah, I mean, look, we were, I think, in totality – it was a it's a it ended up being a productive room for us i mean i think when you add up kind of what everybody did together it ended up being a productive room do we necessarily have you know i said this yesterday you know we don't necessarily have a a kittle or a or a kelsey um but we have really good players in that they all have a little bit different skill set and what they can do and they get points in the season they all made a play that helped us you know from from uh granson who is sometimes I don't he even for being an undersized guy really battles as a blocker Mallory who you know one we got to stay healthy and get him get him a little stronger but he did some really unique things in the passing game uh, that we liked and created some mismatches that that were really good Um, and then you talk about Mo who you know all Mo does is show up and and do whatever he's asked to do and do it at a at a good level um, so in terms of the room, and then, then when you talk about Jelani, who's really got, at, is, is really got a unique skill set because, you know, 
because of his length and his ability to run and stretch the field. He's really good when you're talking about the, the shallows, the seam routes, uh, the dovers, the long crossers that you can run with him, and he's a big target for the quarterback. Uh, so getting him back will be a big add. Okay, Chris Bauer is with us here live at the Combine again inside of the convention center. Chris, year three it will be for Gus Bradley in this defensive scheme. What is it about Gus's scheme that, that you like and you and Shane wanted to retain? Well, I mean, we've, you know, after year one, you know, with him, and we had a bunch of, I want to say we we had a group coming off, a, you know, a tough 21 season where it didn't end the way we wanted um, with a, a lot of veteran players. And, we, you know, we ended up signing Gilmore and had mm-hmm. some vets. And then we said, you know what, we're going to start, we're going to go back and try to get younger and develop those. So the simplicity won. Um, and that's where I would think that, it's been fun to watch. Gus is smart now. He is a smart man. He's a smart coach. Um, I thought he did a really good job adjusting some things last year to what we had, and then we'll continue to build on it. Um, you know, we've done some good things. We've got to eliminate the explosives. I think we all know that. Um, that that you know, making a team have to earn it down the field is a big part of this game. When you give, when you, I mean, we'll play great defense for. 50 snaps in a game, but there's seven or eight that, you know, will give up a play. And so we've, we've got to eliminate that. Some of that was youth. Um, and, you know, some of it was, you know, these guys just hasn't been in these situations. So I think they'll get better. Um, I did think there was areas we didn't, we did improve. We're pretty good on third down. Um, the red zone was better, not where we want it. And that's an area we got to take even a, a better, a bigger step for. We'll always be front driven. Um, you've got to keep nine, 10 guys in the stable. Um, that can rotate in and take snaps where those other guys can, can, you know, really give the max effort when they're in the game. You know, that's always the – that's always and that's hard, you know, to have nine or ten. I thought last year was a really good group. I mean, I thought that what, you know, between – you know, you got your first four, then you have your second wave of guys. And there's some young guys we're excited about. Like, I still think Quiddy and Dio will take a whole nother – I think there's more – another step – they can really take. I think Eric Johnson will continue to prove from a small school. We picked up a kid from Dallas last year that kind of got glossed over was Isaiah Lamb that we think has real upside as a rusher. And I think you saw he was only active for five or six games last year, but when he was active, we saw some really good things out of him. He just, you know, small school, young, needed, really needed a year of work, and it'd be fun to watch his development this offseason. Chris Ballard with us here uh, on the wake-up call on the fan. Uh, We've done a lot of position stuff. I I wanted to ask you this because one thing that kind of struck me, you know, fans, after a loss, people, you know, people get angry. And I'm I'm talking about, you know, the heartbreaker, obviously losing to Houston at the end of the year. You had that press conference after the season. You talked for like 45 minutes, an hour or so. And I thought at the end, you kind of bared your heart out, your soul almost, uh, where you're like, you know, hey, that game was on Saturday. I came in here on Sunday, and I was alone in the facility. Um, what was that day, that night, and that next day when you're in the facility and you know you were right there from making the postseason? What's going through your mind? Kind of what's the emotion as you're sitting there in an empty facility and you're alone in your office? It's, um, you know, anytime you get that close, you know, the division title on the line, then you don't finish it out. And, look, it's happened – you know, in 21 when we didn't finish it out at the end of the year, and then in 23 we don't finish it out. Um, and it was a and, – and what I will say about the game – like it was a heck of a game versus Houston, which, you know, you look at it, you know, 
kind of hindsight now. I mean, Houston was playing really good football mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, they went and beat a they bit the I mean, they handled Cleveland pretty easily in that playoff game and then, you know, really for a half gave Baltimore a good run. Um, and it was a heck of a football game. And at the end of the day, you know, they made, you know, one or two more plays than, than we made. And that that can be a, a tough pill to swallow, but one you have to swallow. Mm-hmm. You can't just ignore, you know, that you didn't get it done. And that's a frustrating – it's frustrating, but the things I was encouraged about was – to watch our team compete, the intensity, watching a lot of these young players compete, that was encouraging for the future. Um, I suck handling loss. Like it's mm-hmm. like game day, I'm the worst. There's <laughs> nobody. I mean, I turn into like the fans have no idea. Like I turn into them, and if like if they saw it, they would go, oh, okay, that's that's how I act too. Except they're probably not punching walls and throwing chairs against the. Against the <laughs> Sitting in front of you in the Cincinnati press box, I was reminded about. Uh, was, was there a chair thrown in that in that Texans game? Uh, no, no, that was pretty good. Okay. That was pretty good. Okay. That one was pretty good. But like fans don't of- fans don't see that. They see the result. But I mean, you're in there the mm. next day. This is your livelihood, and it's like you were that close, and yeah. you know you were that close. Yeah, and look, I mean, that's the that's the great thing about our league. It is so co- like the difference between six wins and eleven oh, wins. It's unbelievable. Is it could be six or seven plays in a in a season. Well, think of your game with Cleveland earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, literally, ah, well, you may not want to, yeah. Say. I mean, a call here or there, a play here or there. Try not to get yeah, fined sorry. here on yeah. this uh, Thursday morning at the Combine. We are live I don't the quite combine. have Mr. Ursay's stroke. <laughs> we are live here at the Combine. Chris Ballard is with us. Chris, year eight for you. I don't need to remind you of these numbers, but it's one playoff win. It's zero division titles yep. in your era. Why don't you feel like you've had more success? I think you, Kevin, I think you know me well enough to know I'm like either you get it done or you don't. I'm not going to sit here and ever. The easy thing would be to make an excuse and look at the end of the day, not getting the quarterback position right has hampered it. And that falls on me. I don't fall on anybody else but, but me. And it's something that, you know, you you learn and you grow from uh, i think we've done good with anthony now i think time will play all play out um but my failures in that space and with a with a position that's so important um you have to get that right you have to have a guy that that can that can actually you know lead you and make plays in critical moments um that's the great separator in our league i think you see it every year in the playoffs i think you see it with teams that really excel and go forward they have a guy at that position that you know when the game's on the line or when there's there's real leverage points in the game where you need to make a play he makes a play do you view roster building as there are positions that are more premium than others that's a that's a good question i mean look i think you know me by now i think the front both o-line and d-line are critical to win in this league i do and I'm not taking anything away from the other positions, but I think as the season goes on, it shows up more and more. Teams that are good up front, usually, at least it gives you a chance each and every Sunday. I think we've all seen when you're not good up front, the result of that. Unless you have a, just a true ma- magician back there at quarterback that can, that can somehow overcome it. But I always, my mindset has always been that way. And look, I learned that from a long time back in Chicago, and then and then looking at what Coach Reed, I mean, Andy, that was one of the things Andy always, I mean, 
You never go short up front. And you look at how their team's built. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's yeah, quarterback no and then it's up front. I mean, and I just think in the long run, that still wins in our league. Last one from me. You mentioned explosive back about a month and a half ago. You want to get more explosive. How much of that is simply you just think the presence of number five under center gives you that, and how much of that is, no, we need to go outside the building and make sure we do a little bit more there too? Well, unequivocally, I think the, the quarterback's going to help. I think it showed when he was when he was in the game. Um, you know, his – I mean, like, I thought one of the really cool, and it sucks that we didn't finish it out, but the but the Ram game, I thought, like, in the second half, I you know, you're, we play like crap in the first half, and, and credit to the Rams. I mean, they kicked us. I mean, excuse me. They kicked the crap Mark, out dump, of us. Dump that, Mark, yeah, please. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, scratch that one out. They, they kicked the crap out of us in the first half, but the explosives that he was able to create in the second half was really fun to watch. But when you have – like, that's the one thing about, like, Jonathan Taylor. Like, Jonathan can turn a, a one, two-yard run into a 40, 50-yard run. Having, you know, making sure our, we, we add another element to the offense that's really good after the catch that can create the play that's not, not there. Chris Ballard with us here. And by the way, the Jonathan Taylor, that Houston game, one of his, uh, yeah. no doubt, f- finer games. Uh, need to ask you this. Um, you know, you don't have to give up too much, but, you know, free agency, draft, all this is happening. Uh, how much contact have you had with Mr. Ursay uh, in that? How are those conversations? Is obviously he's getting uh, over his illness yeah. that he's been dealing with. I actually talked for 30 minutes last night. Um, and he's good. It was, it's really good. No, he is, like Mr. Ursay is always going to be involved. Um, I mean, it's one of the things I really appreciate about him is that he's done this job before, so he understands the, the ups and downs of it. He understands the, you know, the negotiating part of it. Sure. Um, and, of course, I lean on him. And so we had a, a great talk last night. I kept him abreast. We'll talk again here when the combine's over and kind of tell him, okay, here's where I think we're at and here's where we're going. Um, but all good. Colts GM Chris Ballard. Chris, we don't want to keep you any longer. I know Brock Bauer's about to meet the media, and I'm sure you're a fan of wanting to hear that, right? <laughs> I, think, I think Kevin wants to go over there and uh, get a glance of him I as well. I mean, like, I've never seen a guy flip. Y'all would ca- – I mean, from Mr. Wideout to now Mr. Tight End. Pass I mean, it's a – He wants it, He wants no, pass hey, hold on. You saw okay. the Hold on. Hold on here. Now here. it's a pass – okay, so now we've redefined it as pass catcher. Bowen, he's a hybrid. He's a hybrid. Hybrid. The pass yeah. Yeah. Kelsey Kittle, LaPorta, Mark Andrews. Chris, thank you for the time. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay. Earlier this afternoon on The Ride with JMV. 
Hey, welcome back in studio. A special guest is joining us now with a special project as well. You know, you'll know his voice. You certainly know him on the football field. He's the Colts tight end, Kylan Granson, with us in studio this afternoon. Kylan, thank you for the time. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yourself? Yeah, I feel good. I'm going to go ahead and give you a lot of credit because you're here today is a reason why I don't have to be at the Combine on Radio Row. So thank you very much. No hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put and give you all that credit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate, <laughs> uh, appreciate that. that. Now, you were not a part of the Combine, no, right, sir. going through it. What happened? I, refresh my memory on what went down with that. Well, there was this thing called COVID-19. Yes. So they uh, shut it down for my year, and so they just did – they stuck to the pro days, and so all the scouts came out to watch all our local pro days. So I just did my pro day at SMU. Um, but I got all the gear for it. So, I mean... You, you still have the Combine gear? Yeah. I, they sent me a duffel bag. So, I've got, like, the Combine authentic gear, but I didn't have to do any, you know, I didn't have to do the 40 and all that on TV and all that. So. Do you still rock the gear at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah. I absolutely. rock free gear all the time. <laughs> yeah. And right. it's, a, well, it's, it's got, like, a badge that says Combine authentic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you can't, you can't me, buy this, bud. <laughs> do you ever think about how you would have performed compared to others in your class at the Combine? Uh, Oh, man, sometimes, yeah, but you would like, still yeah, kick yeah. its ass, though, dude. I mean, absolutely, but I would have been so <laughs> anxious. I don't know if I'd been able to sleep the night before. Like the the night the night before my pro day, I I slept. I finally fell asleep at like two in the morning, and I had to get up early. But I was just wired because I was like, "All right, the rest of my life starts <laughs> tomorrow." <laughs> so. Did they have that pretty well scripted for you too? Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. They. Uh, they did me right. Uh, Shane, he did me right, too. Uh, uh, they had like uh, his quarterback coach script yeah. everything out, routes-wise and all that. So once we were done with the drills and all that, smooth, easy, a really intense routes-on-air <laughs> session. <laughs> but, I mean, I was gassed afterwards. I couldn't even imagine what the combine's like. So did you, did you, did you feel the same? Because I'm assuming you probably rehearsed this, practiced this over and over again and got it perfect. Did you get overtaken by any nerves when you knew that, hey, now it's actually time to perform? Here's the big show now. Did you have any nerves in it? No, no, no. Because we, I mean, like you said, I, I got up there a week early. Uh, and we rehearsed for like three days, like going through yeah. routes, running them, what we were going to do. Um, and yeah, by then I was like, I felt comfortable. Plus I played with Shane for the past year or so. Yeah. So like I knew he was a good quarterback. I knew how he threw the ball and knew what to expect. So I was more than confident going into it. But I mean, just even like still, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> what if, you know, what if suddenly starts throwing different, you know? <laughs> he is uh, Kylan Granson in studio with us today here. We thank him very much. We'll get to your, your project. I want you to talk a lot about that because it is a great deal. But uh, I do also want you to look back on this past season, um, put in the books. How long does it take you to get over a season? 24 hour. No. Um, oh, I'd, that'd be good, though. Yeah, it would be, be awesome good. if that's yeah. how it worked. Um. Once the football season is over, and I think once the Super Bowl is over, because then like football goes away for a while, right? And like I don't see it as much because like every time I see like you know the ads, I'm just like God, that could have been us, or, you know. So did I, you watch the postseason? Did you watch the Texans play in the postseason? I watched a little bit of the Texans, and I watched a little bit of the Chiefs, of course. 
Um, does it burn? It does. <laughs> There's no way that it doesn't. How Absolutely. can it not? If you're a competitor, it burns. Oh, we could have been, you know, what could have been, could have been beautiful. Like, I think we could have really taken that opportunity and ran with it. But, you know, so, someone had a, a different plan for us. Now, you know? we all kind of view it. Kyle, is it you know coming down to you know final play against Houston, final week of the regular season, uh, and that's easy to do. But where else along the way did you think, all right, had this gone a different direction here or there, a different play here or there, then we could have won the division? Any game stand out to you? Any moment stand out to you? Cleveland. Uh, I didn't even really play in that one, but I watched it. Yeah, I was concussed that week, but I watched it, and you know. <sighs> I can't agree with the call, you know, cost us the game. Um, but I mean, there were some games that were definitely on us as well. Like we didn't play well some games and like it really showed. Um, we always have like a, a tendency to s- start out slow for whatever reason. I don't know. Every year <laughs> I've been here, we start a little slow. Yeah. And then we pick up speed. That's we... before you got here, too. Is it? I mean, okay. really, that goes back. It goes back to the Manning era when they got off to quick starts. But that has, yeah, for some reason, that's been the case around here even prior to you. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that makes me feel. Yeah. Yeah. I was it's like, not maybe on it's you. me. <laughs> you know, I'm like looking in the mirror. Like, <laughs> it, you know what? Maybe, yeah. it is. It is not on you. That that Cleveland game, not it didn't have just one. It had like two at the end right there. That, and I, I sat right here and ripped ass the next day on that. <laughs> because, you know, everybody tells me, oh, well, you got to man up and understand that you can't let the officials go. Bull crap, they can't cost you the game. Yeah. It absolutely can happen. It is a part of the equation. And in that Cleveland game, certainly at the end, it did. Yep, certainly within the margin of error. That's It's just really unfortunate when that's the case, you know. Skyland Granson is in studio. So, uh, off season going well for you? Oh, it's going great. Going great. I'm staying in local. You know, I just got a house up here. So, been hanging around. Well, where are we hanging out these days, Skyland Granson? Oh, we got to throw a party or something. No, no. Come on now. No. I sit in my lazy boy and I chill out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, like being a homeowner? Yes. Yeah, no. Um, it's stressful. <laughs> I, I wake up with like a sense of anxiety every day. Like, I'm forgetting something. And then I'll look at the air and I'm like, oh, I forgot to turn it down from last night or something. Better change that filter, man. Oh, yeah. You on top of that? Yep. I just yeah. changed it. Did you? I did. See, I'm Absolutely. telling you, that's a big deal. Now, you can go by this, go season-wise. Mm-hmm. Whenever the season changes, change then the change that filter. Mm-hmm. Man, if you don't, that causes you all sorts of foobar right there. Yeah. So, and I'm assuming, does Michael Pittman Jr. have some, like, farm work for you guys to do out no, there, too? No, no. He's on his own with that. He's on his own. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get out there and put up any hay or anything like that? <sighs> you know, you know, that's, I'll get there eventually. Uh, probably when I'm done playing football, you know. <laughs> I don't know. If I want to be lifting hay and taking care of all those farm animals right after my season's done, you know? I'm thinking, I'm, has you, have you ever been invited on a hunting trip? Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, a, I'm a country boy now. Well, give me a little background on that because so am I. Okay. Yeah. I got you. So, give me a background in your country. So, my mom's side, yeah. got a lot of rednecks. Yes. You know, self, self, well, self-proclaimed. Self, Yes, you know. exactly. And then I lived in Texas for a while, so, I mean, yeah. talk about hunting, shooting. So I'm from southwestern Indiana, so, okay. yeah, yeah. That, that in Texas is kind of like the same same kind of thing Just right a here. bigger. Yeah, and yeah. my mom still lives there on 40 acres, 38 of which she hasn't seen in 35 years. Very nice. So, a bunch yeah. of woods, and uh, that's, that's about it. Did you like growing up in the country? Yeah, I did. I did. 
I did. Get well, some values. I say I grew up right. in the country. I didn't. I I grew up in Dallas mostly, but I love living in the country when I got a chance to. <laughs> well, so is is it more now? You, were you around livestock often too? Because that when I think about country and farming in Texas, I think immediately livestock. Yeah, like ranch and stuff. Like exactly. That. Yeah. Exactly. We were in a country town. We were in Marble Falls, and it's like a real small town, and there's just like a lot of space everywhere. And like, yeah, there's livestock, but like unless like you go up to it like it's far away you know what i mean like a lot of fences a lot of a lot of open grass it's blown up here because texas is blowing up real estate wise uh since all those big companies move there so it's kind of disappearing it's so sad he is uh kylan granson the uh country guy in studio so if michael Pittman jr called and said hey i need a little help putting up hay or detasseling corn or something would you go over there and help him go over yeah i I was thinking maybe i told him this once you need to get the guys over just like do some like country rocky style workouts like you know hang from the loft and do sit-ups and stuff like that Hell yeah. yeah. I actually like that. Yeah, you like it. Well, that. Let's, let's call that uh, voluntary off-season yeah. barn workout. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll manually you know, plow the fields. You know. Hell yeah, I like that. I like uh, that. The new homeowner, Kylan Granson, is in <laughs> studio here. You've got, um, you've got a very, very special project that's near and dear to you. I want you to talk a little bit about that while you're in studio, too. Absolutely. Uh, starting this Saturday at 10 a.m., uh, up in Fishers, I believe it's the Kroger on 116th and Oleo. I know exactly where that is. Yep. Yes, that's a great Kroger, Kylan. Great Kroger. Great Kroger. Great Kroger. So, starting 10 a.m. there, we're going to be kicking off our second annual KG's Kids Book Drive, sponsored by Kroger. Um, our goal is to raise over 10,000 books. Um, this is just the kickoff, so if you guys can't make it out, you know, at 10 a.m. to Fishers. I'll be there most of the afternoon. Um, but if you guys can't make it out, the whole book drive is going to be going out for over a month. And we're going to try to raise over 10,000 books. There will be book drop bins in a lot of the greater Indianapolis Kroger stores. So if you see my smiling face yes, and you got some books at home that are burning holes in your bookshelves that you want to get rid of, Go ahead and donate them. We're looking for like younger kids' books to like middle school age. So I, I did see we got donated a 1948 physics book. And I was like, this is a piece of history. However, yes. I can't give this to Timmy in third grade. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to, you know, set some you know, parameters so you, everyone knows, you know. Plus, I don't know how accurate that information is it, anymore. It may have changed you over know, the decades. I was like, you know, maybe I, you know, I'll read it, you know, see it. Then I was like, oh, it might be wrong. And then I blow up my house or something, you know, <laughs> trying to make something. You know, Colin Granson in studio, everybody. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, appreciate you. Got a great book drive upcoming. Don't go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay, today on Quarry & Company. Joining us now on the program, talking about 
The Combine and more. He is with CBS Westwood One as well. He's been on this program. Ross Tucker, who has been very patient in waiting, and my apologies for that. I, I was wondering about this, and you would be a good person to, to answer this. And I, I mean this as no, listen, from a city standpoint, from an economic standpoint, uh, the more the merrier, right, as far as we in Indianapolis are concerned. But I am curious, the, the number of people that each franchise sends here in my opinion, Ross, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but but I get this feeling that like the number of people that are here for each franchise is probably like 250% higher than actually technically needs to be here in a working capacity, but you got to cover all your bases. Is that a fair statement? I would say it's definitely fair that they that there are people from organizations that go there that probably don't need to be there. Um, but what I would tell you is, I think, you know, if you're meeting with prospects that you like or want to find out more about at every different position group, a lot of times you want the position coach to be there, right? I mean, you want, you want to get their opinion of the guy. So it's not just the head coach. It's not just the coordinator. You kind of want to know what the position coach thinks of him as a player as well as, you know, as a person for those meetings, you know, you want the position coach to watch them in the workout. Now there are teams that are not sending coaches, not sending head coaches because they can watch the workouts later. They feel they can get more work done. I understand those things. Some people think it's really just like a, uh, a party thing uh, at night and it's not as necessary. It's primarily about the physicals and you don't need to be there for that anyway. So there's differing vantage points on that for sure. Ross, this year, we've talked about the depth at wide receiver in this draft class. We've talked about the potential offensive weapons, and maybe you're getting five, six, seven, maybe eight offensive players out of the gate in the first eight picks. The Colts are slotted at 15th. Brock Bauer has been mocked to them. A couple cornerbacks, a couple edge rushers. Maybe they go for a wide out there. If you were in charge and you're looking at 15 in this class based on a de facto rookie season for what you think is your franchise quarterback and Anthony Richardson? Where are you leaning at this stage? Well, I, honestly, like if if he's still there at 15, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I would take Brock Bowers. You know, I, I think that would be ridiculous to me if he didn't go until 15. The guy was arguably the best player in college football the last three years. Um, certainly, the last two years. We were talking about him. I did a Georgia game. I did the Georgia game where he got hurt against Vanderbilt, and we were talking about him as it relates to the Heisman. He's a fantastic football player, and I think it's the most undervalued position in the sport right now. I mean, you look at these teams. Think about what Travis Kelsey means to the Chiefs. Think about what Kittle means, obviously, to the Niners. I mean, Mark Andrews is the number one weapon for the. Baltimore Ravens, I think Sam Laporta is probably second for the Lions after Amon Ross St. Brown. So you're talking about a position that makes a huge difference in my mind in the outcome of games. And especially for a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson, that would be invaluable to have a guy like Bowers that is really, really hard to defend, really smart, really good run after the catch. And all the RPO stuff, all, all the stuff that Richardson's ability allows you to do, I'll tell you what you guys should do. Look at the numbers for Dallas Goddard, the two years that Shane Steichen was calling plays for the Eagles. 
He was the single most efficient receiver in the sport. Look at it. Look, look at yards per attempt to Dallas, to, to any receiver in 21 and 22. Dallas Goddard, a tight end of all people, was number one. And that's because of Shane Steichen. One of the big question marks of this draft, and, and and I don't know how much it would affect or have rippled down effect all the way down to where Indianapolis is at 15. Perhaps it doesn't. But do you think Chicago ends up staying at one, or are we going to see all of a sudden all hell break loose in the early portion of the draft itself? If they don't stay at one, I kind of feel like they would just trade down to, like, two and still get a quarterback. I'd be really surprised if they didn't end up taking a quarterback uh, with one of those first two picks. So um, I, I don't think it'll be all all heck breaking loose. I think they'll end up taking a quarterback one or two. And I think, I think the first three guys off the board will probably be quarterbacks. CBS Sports and Westwood One's Ross Tucker is our guest. You can also hear him on the Ross Tucker podcast. Going back to Brock Bowers for just a second, because a lot of people, and I know mocks are just tools. They don't mean anything. They're not a guarantee of what's going to happen. They're just meant to be a, you know, a supplemental piece of information. But there's a lot of them where that's where he's at is the 12 to 18 range, depending on how far down a mock goes for him. But I'm with you, Ross. I think he's an incredibly talented player, maybe one of the most talented playmakers in the draft. When you look at the idea of him falling down to the 12 to 18 range, is that more of the teams that are there due to there's a lot of offensive tackles, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of corners that are projected to go there? Is that more due to team need? Or is that more due to just the the overall view of tight end right now in the league? Well, so what I'll tell you about it is that they would argue it's positional value, and which I think is laughable because I think tight end is an extremely valuable position. But if you look like at the franchise tag numbers, and I know you guys are talking about that because of Pittman, but look at the tight end franchise tag number. It's like twelve million. I mean, so the thought process is if you take Bowers in the top 10, okay, I don't know, he's probably making like $8 million a year. So you're not really getting that much of a discount for, for a guy on a rookie contract as opposed to what a high-end veteran would be getting. Whereas if you get a receiver or these other positions you named where the, where the franchise tag is like $20 million, well, if you have a guy playing at a $20 million level for $8 million a year, $8 million a year, you're getting a lot of value out of it. If you have a guy playing at a franchise tag level at tight end at $8 million a year, well, you're only kind of getting $4 million worth of value because you can pay somebody to, pay, to, to, to play at that level for $12 million. That's the, that's the concern that people have with taking tight ends high. I think it's galactically stupid. I think if you look at the teams that have really had – I mean, why do you think Brady won those last three Super Bowls? Gronk was a huge reason for that. Ross Tucker joining us here as we are at the Combine. Last night, just down the road from where we are at the Indiana Convention Center, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, big one for the Pacers. We'll get back into that and tell you what player might be emerging at the right time for Indiana. Talking about the Pacers, I mean. That conversation next. Aquarian Company here, 93.5-1075 The Fan. Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. 
Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.